and welcome to Revolutionary Woman. My name is Tess Silverman. Women around the world are constantly creating ways to make a difference in their communities, and today's guest is no exception. My guest today is Chrisula Winnegar. Chrisula is Senior Communications Director at the United Nations Foundation, where she leads the New York Public Affairs team focused on UN system communications liaison and special initiatives. Prior to her current position, she founded Wake Up World Communications, a digital communications agency focused on social action, working with clients including the United Nations Foundation, Fox Searchlight, Malala Fund, and Gender Health, Family Planning 2020, and many others. Her earlier career was in various marketing and communications roles in the private sector, including Ernst & Young, Estee Lauder Companies, and NatWest UK. Hello, Chrisula. Welcome to Revolutionary Woman. Tess, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Me too. Me too. So for those who don't know anything about you, could you please give us a little bit about your background? Sure. So my name is Chrisula, which, uh, fun fact, means little flower of gold or little twinkling star. Oh, how cool. And it's uh, an <laughs> old-fashioned Greek name that comes from my dad's family line. Oh. But I, uh, you probably tell from my accent that I am a plethora of different citizenships. So I've lived in the United States for, gosh, over 20 years now mm -hmm. um, in the New York and Connecticut area. I live in Connecticut now and still work in New York. And then, um, but I was raised in Australia, born and raised in Australia, several years of my childhood in New Zealand, South Africa, uh, five years in the UK where I did graduate school and worked for some great organizations and uh and and then yeah back back here so and then uh I currently work as senior communications director with the United Nations Foundation mm -hmm. but my background's all over like I've done the private sector for many years companies like Ernst & Young, NatWest UK, um the Estee Lauder Corporation companies where I worked with the Evader and Bumble and Bumble brands for many years uh, and then the last few years of my career have been, I have my own digital media agency, mm -hmm. Wake Up World Communications, uh, where I mostly worked with nonprofit organizations mm -hmm. in building influencer campaigns. And then now uh, to the UN Foundation, the last nearly five years. Wow. You really are a citizen of the world. I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. Um, so, okay, let's get back to your background. Um I mean, in terms of work, so I read that you had a blog years ago called When You Wake Up a Mother, You Wake Up the World. Yes. And I love the title, but can you tell me what was the inspiration behind the title and the blog? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I am a mom and I have four children. And so I started that blog sort of in the thick of when Gen X moms were, were starting to build a new way of communicating and, and really um, you know, there were just some incredible storytellers out there who pulled back the curtain of contemporary parenting mm -hmm. and really did so in very powerful ways, the highs, the lows, the everything in between. And, you know, really they are the, the mothers of, of, of the modern sort of social media movement in so many ways, these mm -hmm. Gen X moms that, that just created blogging as an industry and from there, we're sort of the backbone of key social media platforms like Pinterest and Instagram and so on. So I, I, I am from that era. I, I um, at that time, was just really drawn 
to the way these women were changing the nature of communication and democratizing communication and, and you know, really bringing such an authenticity and a rawness to how we talked to each other and how we, we, we linked up. And so I, at the time, um, really just felt this, the power of mothers around the world. And that's, that's not to say that, that other demographic groups bring power. Of course they do, but there is specifically when you become a mother, there's an awakening and a connection process that happens in a unique way through this experience of having a child. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's actually a, a, a lot of statistical research to support this, particularly in the context of American women, that when we become mothers, we are open to global health issues and um, the experiences of mothers in other circumstances and other parts of the world, or even other neighborhoods in our own communities that connects us to all mothers in a different way to we've potentially been connected to people before. Uh, you know, when you're, for those who've been pregnant that might be listening, there's a hunger that you have, like a physical hunger level that I've never had at any other time in my life except when I've been pregnant. And then you sort of suddenly your mind is drawn to women who are insecure in their food situation, right? Mm -hmm. How are they tackling that? when they're food insecure and they're pregnant and they're dealing with this level of hunger that they've never experienced before in their lives. So um, it just, for me, it really turned on a light mm -hmm. to, to other communities, constituencies, other places, um, other demographics of how women next door to me and across the world from me were navigating these, um, these same sets of experiences under a variety of different circumstances. And I started also seeing the power of mothers in movement building and unifying for some, you know, key issues that they care about. And I was actually on a, I had a career coach at the time I was doing a course and I was talking to my coach and I said, well, cause of course, when you wake up a mother, you wake up the world, right? There's this knock on effect. And she's like, I think that's your book. So, <laughs> I love that. It, it wasn't a book, but it became a blog. And it's definitely a mantra that has stayed with me as my kids have, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't blog anymore because mm. I have uh, four teenagers and it's just a different phase of life. And, uh, and also their stories are no longer my stories to share. Right. So mm. it's a, yeah. it, it's a, di it's just a different set of boundaries that you have to draw, but I still operate under that mantra of the, of the, just the power that, mothers bring and the ripple effects that we bring to the communities in which we operate. That is so awesome. And and it's so true. You know, and by the way, you can still you can still write a book. <laughs> you can still <laughs> yeah. write that book. It's I on think, the list. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, good. I think, you know, because as mothers we don't realize, like you said, you know, when I was pregnant with my daughter, I was like feeling like, oh my gosh, is it just me? Or or I'm like feeling like I I you know, I want to be able to protect her and then and make sure that she has everything. And but what if I didn't, you know, then you start worrying yeah. and you worry about everything. You worry about not just your insecurity, but the world's insecurity, like and, and the children that are like so vulnerable to so many things. And you're hoping that, you know, you have enough to you know, you have enough of a community that can actually tackle these issues. So I, I love that. And I love th that you, you know, in, in your own way, you are helping so many women out there who probably were thinking the same thing, 
but didn't know how to go about it, you know? <laughs> but that's yeah. really awesome. So I, I, I think it's wonderful. And you've kind of, you know, you kind of did the same thing with Wake Up World Communications, correct? Because you, instead of just being in the local or maybe national environment, it's now become global with Wake Up World. Right. right. Yeah. So I, I was really, obviously, that concept of, of wake, waking up a world stuck stuck really closely <laughs> with me. Uh-huh. And so it, it, I took it as the, the title of my digital media agency that I ran for several years. And, and I was really drawn at that time after coming out of sort of many years of corporate life, mm-hmm. I was really drawn to sort of taking that, those skills and expertise levels that I'd learned over, you know, a couple of decades of marketing communication mm-hmm. um, and turning it into uh, influencer campaigns in the nonprofit space. And I was really lucky too. I just, I had some incredible clients and amazing partners. And this is the beauty of the internet at that time when I was just starting out, like, my first two collaborators, and we did a, you know, we did multiple partnerships together over many years. Were two women I met on Twitter. Oh, really? And you know, and we we were friends on Twitter for months before oh. we ever met in person. And we all happened to be on the East Coast, but we were in three different cities, and uh, and ended up collaborating together for years on professional projects together. And and they're just extraordinary. And that's and amazing. So so again, speaking back to this sort of democratization of, of speech, it was also about democratization of relationships. We were able to build connections. And it's not a cliche to say that some of my very, very best friends in the world are women I've met online and, and from there developed these really rich um, impersonal relationships as well. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I met you through Jen Burden of World Moms Network. And exactly. I and I would not have I would never have met you if not for that relationship that I had established with Elizabeth Adelaide and Jen Burden. I was just like you know, and then to, to meet someone who is in the UN Foundation, it was just like it was so funny. It's like kind of been like my dream to actually be involved <laughs> in that kind of space. Um, when I started my own blog, I was just like, okay, I'll just keep writing. I'll just keep writing, and hopefully, someone will be receptive to what I've been writing. And then when Elizabeth actually said to Jen, I think you need to look at her. <laughs> and Doris is like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. And, you know, it's so true because you realize I didn't meet any of them until I went to a summit. But again, it was right. through blogging. So yes, you're right. The internet really has a powerful um, influence when it comes to connecting, you know, influencers. I love that. Um and I, I love that you were partnered with such big, big names. I mean, Malala, Fan, Malala I'm sorry, Malala Fund, and Gender Health, um, Fox Searchlight. You know, and I know you've had many others. But what drew you to? I mean, what was the impetus behind collaborating with them? So at the end of the day, we all need to communicate a message about what it is we're trying to get done, whether you're selling shampoo or accounting services or the story of education access for every girl in the world, you ha- there has to be a narrative, there has to be a story. And yes. so, you know, I took all of those sort of corporate skills that I had and was able to roll them into working with some of these extraordinary organizations 
to to do exactly that, tell those stories, deliver those messages, mm. and bring people bring people into the orbit of some of the incredible work that was happening. And and my um, you know, some of these relationships came through my partners that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. So um, we are women online, and uh, and Emily McCann, Mara Aaron's Mealy, Mara now runs the Mission List. Um, you know, th- these were collaborations, and we we our first joint project together was working with the United Nations Foundation, who at that time of mine became a, an early client, and mm-hmm. um, and so they they collaborated with me to 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 help on some work we we helped um support the launch of the shot at life campaign Mm. at the un foundation which is a campaign that is still really robust and has an amazing community around it dedicated to um reaching those kids that are the hardest to reach Mm -hmm. for delivery for delivery of basic vaccines right so vaccines for polio measles pneumonia etc etc and just reaching those kids that who are the hardest to reach and part of what that campaign has done is build an advocacy community right here in the United States who uh, reach out regularly to their elected officials and remind them that vaccines don't have borders, uh, sorry, diseases don't have borders. Mm-hmm. And so that vaccines are really critical to this to this part of, of global health. Um, and obviously we've seen uh, in a tragic way, the impacts of that issue of disease don't have, diseases don't have borders yes. in 2020 and, yeah. and the knock-on effects that this has had literally across the entire planet. Right. So, uh, you know, it's just been really powerful to get to get to see powerful women get behind some of these causes and issues, use their voices to spread the word and and showcase the things that they're passionate about. Hmm, I love that. Um, was there anyone that you would give? Well, first of all, how did you um, go from Wake Up World Communications to working for the UN Foundation? So the short version is I, I was obviously doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. They, for they sure. Were very, they were, you know, an incredible client to have. And we got to collaborate on some really cool things around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just found myself um, doing more and more with them and was really thrilled when they uh, at, at, one, at one point eventually asked me to consider coming in-house and running That's some so of the projects cool. that I was running in-house. And so that was amazing. Oh. And, um, you know, at the time I, I loved my company and, but I was hungry for, uh, being part of a more of a structured team mm-hmm. and just, uh, so it was just perfect timing. I sort of felt that, uh, it was a win-win for all of us. That's amazing. <laughs> and I, I love that. and I've been there, I've been in-house now for nearly five years, but I've been working with them for over 10. So that wow. it's, it's been a, a, a wonderful, we know each other pretty well. <laughs> they, know, they know my flaws. I know theirs, but I, I love, I love my organization and I'm deeply passionate about it and the work that we do in support of the UN and, uh, and some of the key issues that we work on and in particular, you know, climate, um, reproductive health, particularly, you know, with a focus mm-hmm. on family planning access, uh, all, you know, and then obviously support for the for the larger body of work that the UN yeah. uh, does in the world, and how Americans benefit from that work, which is is really incredible. We don't always understand that. No, no, that's that's really awesome. So, is there anyone you would credit to, or was there an aha moment for you going through all of this, and then finding yourself now working in house with the UN Foundation? And was there someone you would give credit to for actually, like, you know, 
getting you to that point, maybe not getting you to that point, but you know, kind of maybe um, giving you the nudge to say, okay, go for it? Absolutely. I, you know, my, my career has not been linear. And frankly, I don't know very many people who's are anymore. But I, I certainly feel that I've been the beneficiary of some incredible mentors over time. And that, that every step I've taken, however random, mm -hmm. has led to, to the next step and the next step and the next step. Some of those have been sideways, some of those have been up, a couple have even been down, but they've all worked in concert for me feeling like I've, I've got a really rich offering that I can put on the table and that I, that I um, have been the beneficiary of. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there, there are both men and women over the course of my career who have acted not just as mentors, but really as sponsors have really, you know, we talk about the difference for female careers between sponsors and mentors. A sponsor is, is one who will actually like, not just give you advice and guide you with, you know, bounce things off you with that mentorship way, mm -hmm. but also go to, go to bat for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And actually like, have you thought about Chris Sula for this? Have you like thought about giving her this project or putting her in this team or what have you? And so that's what sponsorship's about. It's like really pushing. And I've definitely had a couple of key people in my career that have been real sponsors for me and advocates for me. So definitely my, at the time, the head of communications at the UN Foundation, mm -hmm. an amazing communicator named Aaron Sherinian was hugely oh, key. Yes, in, in, I love yeah, Aaron. Yeah, so he was the one who invited me to join the foundation in-house and he subsequently moved on to, to different things. But, um, you know, he, 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 for that specific step that you asked about, mm -hmm. he, he was definitely a, a key influence and, and a huge advocate for me. Aww. In terms of aha, aha moments, uh -huh. I mean, I'm a, I, I like to think that I'm a, a facts-based decision maker, and I, I certainly do lots of pros and cons lists and strengths and weaknesses lists, and <laughs> and I and I like I like data. I like looking at the data, the data points, but I am also a, a very gut-based person, and so I listen to those aha moments, and there have been many of them throughout my life that have really, really kind of shifted directions for me in critical radical ways some of them professional and many of them deeply personal right mm, that's great well, can you um describe one specific aha moment that you know that you can like you can say on, 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 the, on the show sure 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 uh i mean this one's not not really a professional one it's a personal one but it was probably one of the most profound experiences of my life i had lived in london for five years my father's a um, British uh, British heritage, so I have British citizenship, and so I was able to live and work there for many years. I was doing grad school at night, working full time, and I loved my life. I have no intentions of going home to Australia. I was really content, mm -hmm. and um, but I remember one morning I was uh, before I went to church. I was just sitting in Hyde Park, and it was a beautiful spring morning, and I was just contemplating life and having a moment. And I literally heard a voice. This sounds so weird, <laughs> but I did. <laughs> and it said, you need to go home. Huh. It was so profound and so powerful. And it, and it was so strong that it didn't even, I didn't even hesitate to wow. completely up, uproot my life. And I started making plans that very day. Wow. This is not something that normally happens to me, by the way. This is a one-off, <laughs> right? Just so we're, we're clear. Okay. But it was so strong and so compelling 
that it was really one of the defining experiences of my life. So I fast forward a few months and I've packed up my stuff. I've shipped stuff home. I've figured out how to finish my master's degree online um, from Australia. I have, you know, all the things that I could not have done in five minutes because there were a lot of loose ends to tie up. There were five years of life to figure out. Mm -hmm. um, so I was able to do all of that preparation work. And then I got word from my family that my aunt, for whom I'm named, she's also Chrisula, mm -hmm. um, she, other than my immediate parent, you know, my parents, my brothers, she was the closest relative I have had. And uh, she was my dad's sister. And she was diagnosed with lung cancer, stage four lung cancer. Oh, no. And, it, and had metastasized to her bones. And she was very, very sick. Oh, Christina. And she, she and I are just so deeply close. And she, uh, I'm the only girl in my whole generation of my family. So all my cousins are male. So I was oh, like, wow. not only her, her niece, but also kind of like her daughter, right? She's mm -hmm. my, my second mom. And I was able to be on a plane in three days. And then I was able to be by her side both in the hospital and then at home for the last few months of her life. And I was her primary caregiver for three months and it changed everything about my life. I could never have done that if I hadn't, I couldn't have moved on that dime. Mm -hmm. I couldn't have sped that fast home to be by her side and be there for our collective families mm -hmm. if I wasn't ready. And for whatever reason, that moment of inspiration, that true aha moment was mm -hmm. able to prepare me for one of the most important experiences of my life, which was to care for her. And it, and it changed everything about who I am, how wow. I see the world, how I think from oh. those three months with her. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and it, it's, it seemed like you were ready. Like, you know, that voice inside of you was saying, yeah, you're ready. You can do this. Yeah. But who knew that, you know, with all of that, you know, there was having to, come back home and then having to like be with your aunt which was really beautiful you were able to spend the time with her um before she passed and I, oh thank you for doing that thank you for sharing with that me um that story with us so oh man do, do you get to go back I mean have you gone back um to Australia oh gosh so I try to go back once a year my parents are getting on and I have three wonderful brothers, but every now and then they need their daughter mm -hmm. <laughs> and I need, and I need them. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's as far away as you can get from where I live currently. It's 10,000 miles wow. and, um, <laughs> it, it, it's, you know, it's 24 hours to get door to door. I, you go to LA, I'm, I go to New York and then LA and then, uh, LA to, to Melbourne where my family are now. Uh, it, so it's not easy, but I was really blessed to be able to go back right before the pandemic oh, really wow. became a thing so I did get to see them very early this year and um and actually helped them get ready for lockdown and got home by the skin of my teeth so oh my gosh uh, wow. I don't know when I'll be able to go back but yeah. uh that that's a waiting game of course for everyone yeah. who's far away from their loved ones but uh are you able to yeah. are you able to communicate with them via zoom and all that yeah, we do. Well, <laughs> my parents are pretty Luddite when it comes to technology. <laughs> so every FaceTime call, my family laugh at me because I'm like lecturing my dad on which button to press. <laughs> but, um, but yes, we do. We do speak at least once a week, if not more. And, uh, oh, I, you know, great. I text, text with my brothers all the time and 
and talk with them pretty regularly too. And we, we keep, we, we're pretty tight. I'm so great, grateful for technology and yeah, for very sure. grateful for, for the internet. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I know. Thank goodness for that. So, okay. So I would like to find out, so as a communications consultant, you help create campaigns like Shot at Life, Giving Tuesday, and Million Moms Challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, of those three, which has been, I guess, the most rewarding, or have they all been rewarding in their own Oh my own gosh, <laughs> Tess, you're like you're like asking me to pick a favorite child. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's these not go my, there then. These are my babies. <laughs> no, I mean, look, all of them in their own ways. You know, we we Shot at Life is just really, you know. The vaccine issue, I think, is more relevant than ever. And yes. that's been a, a campaign that I'm so passionate about because this is one of the most proven, tested, and effective global health interventions that we have. It has changed our societies forever and mm-hmm. and and for the and for the for good. Sure. Um, for sure. So, you know, a Global Moms Challenge, which originally started out as Million Moms Challenge, we were able to build a community of hundreds of thousands of mostly American, but eventually women from all around the world who either were mothers or identified with some of the, the things that we were talking about in motherhood mm-hmm. and, and turned their hearts uh, towards the health of mothers and children around the world and did so, and showed up in really meaningful ways to share their passion for those commitments and lobby their elected officials to support um, women in the most vulnerable circumstances, both here at home and abroad. Right. And then give, Giving Tuesday has become a global movement. Yes. I, I, you know, I like, love so, that. Like, we just, you know, at the time that we're recording this, it just happened, and for and and it, it's we, we, the little engine that could. I mean, uh-huh. it started out as a back of the napkin idea. <laughs> I of, love that. You know, hey, there was we've got Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Wouldn't it be great if there was a Giving Tuesday? And when I heard the people who had that initial thought, it was a rocket to the moon for us all. And I felt so lucky to be involved in those early years to help stand that up and now yeah. you know it's it's its own entity yes, and it for sure. operates in dozens of countries if not hundreds and it's an amazing event so yeah all of them they're my babies <laughs> <laughs> well I know it's like giving Tuesdays has become a worldwide phenomenon which is amazing yeah. and and so well deserved because you know I mean it, it really brings it back home you know you kind of like okay so you have this but all right, what can you do for others? You know, what can you do, not just local, national, but worldwide? Because there's so many out there who needs, like, you know, uh, who need so many things to make sure that they're taken care of and, you know, and and keep going and and keep living. So, and I I love that campaign. And, I mean, Global Moms Challenge, was that also part of um, where Social Good Summit started? Or is that something uh, different? It's something different. So the Global Moms Challenge was a campaign initially that was kicked off by the UN Foundation and the ABC News, actually. Oh. And and then the UN Foundation uh, took it over, and we then collaborated for many years with Johnson & Johnson on building out that community. Right. And we ran a, ran a summit each year with Johnson & Johnson called Moms plus social good. Yes, and I attended um, so that. that. I love that one. Yeah, yeah. So that was a a really wonderful experience that we were able to curate and and do for for several years. The social good summit was an initiative that was between the UN Foundation, Mashable, the 92nd Street Y, right. who were also 
who were also the original architects with us of Giving Tuesday, and they're the the home of Giving Tuesday originally, and then uh, the UN Development Program. And so the Social Good Summit, uh, we've had 10 over the last uh, 10 years. and I know. I've attended five of them. (laughs) That's where we first met. Yes. and that's been a, a, an amazing project to work on over the years as well, which is it's a, a huge event that kicks off the, the week of the UN General Assembly right. that really sort of puts, puts a, a, a stamp on the ground as to what the big issues are that we're going to be talking about mm. at, at UNGA and helps connect the UN and the issues of the UN mm-hmm. with digital citizens, um, both here and, and wherever they are around the world with these big topics and, and, and connects them to ways to take action. I love that. And I've always looked forward every year to attend the Social Good Summit um, and Moms Plus Social. I mean, that's where I met Elizabeth and Jen Burden through her. And that's where I met you. And it's just been an amazing mm-hmm. network of people that I'm like, wow, you know, this is like something that I never thought um, was actually available and it was, and it was just so empowering for anyone who was there because you're really making a change. You're really there and advocating for change, and I love that. That That's just so powerful for me. Um, so thank you for the, all the work that you've done, you know, like collaborating with so many organizations. Um, so in terms of your work, do you find it sometimes, like, Okay, especially with the pandemic right now, you know, mm-hmm. has yeah. it been easier for you to be working remotely on different projects or has it been more difficult? Oh, both. I mm. mean, you know, it, I normally commute into the city every day. I, it's an hour and a bit each way. So certainly the easing off of that commute has helped me be more productive. Uh, and I, I really just replaced those commuting hours with working hours. Mm-hmm. We, we've had yeah. an extraordinarily busy year for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, the UN Foundation was invited by the World Health Organization to help them build a the COVID-19 Solidarity Response Fund, which wow. we hosted uh, at the UN Foundation along with Swiss, Philan- Swiss Philanthropies. And we were working with a number of big organizations, companies, foundations, but also celebrities, influencers across the, the world, building different kinds of events to fundraise for that for that fund and, you know, raised almost close to $250 million that were immediately translated into PPE, into health worker wow. training, That's into um, sanitation stations, into youth mobilization et cetera, et cetera, for immediate COVID response. And it's been absolutely strong. So we've worked the hardest we've ever worked <laughs> this last yeah. year. And uh-huh. and our team has all done it from home. It definitely, we've really, you know, I think we're all hungry for that team meeting in the office and just, mm. you know, that sense of camaraderie and Zoom just doesn't cut it, right? But yeah. Um, yeah. So, so both harder and easier. I'm certainly, you know, I, I don't know if I, how I would have done the hours I've done this year if I was still commuting. Mm, um, for sure. I also don't know how I would have shown up for my children in any meaningful way. Yeah. And 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 it's and it's the jury's still out as to whether <laughs> I've shown up sufficiently for my children this year, but we're we're all trying and doing our best and they've been incredibly gracious and understanding with me and and my work this year. Um, whilst they've also 
been dealing with the hottest year of their lives. Right. And, uh, you know, I sent a kid to college this year, yeah, which I was know. That's awesome. insane. That's insane. so cool. Congratulations to that. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I know. And I mean, as a mom of four, is it, do you find balancing work life easier now? I mean, I mean, since you're home or is it just the same as if you're working from your office in the city? It's different. Okay. I don't know if I'd say it's better or worse. It's Mm -hmm. just a different, I I definitely have a, um, you know, I mean, they're home at the moment, three days a week. Mm. They're in hybrid hybrid school. They've obviously at some point they were, they were home for months and months in the earlier in the year and then through the summer. And then they went back for about a month, I think full-time school and now they're hybrid school. So you know, wow. they're, we're, they're here a lot and yeah. I'm, it's definitely, it's definitely easier as they've gone older mm-hmm. because, you know, instead of I, like, I don't, I am so in awe of the families that are dealing with this year with young children. You know, my kids are yes. older. I've got, you know, 12, 14, 16 and 18. Mm-hmm. So it's a very different situation. Um, we're mostly navigating the mental health impacts and, Definitely with the youngest, there's still mm. a heck of a lot of monitoring going <laughs> on. And mm. He prefers to be on YouTube than in school. And, uh, you know, so there's a, there's a lot of stress there and constant like, oh, you didn't hand this in. Oh, you didn't hand that in. Oh, could we do this one, please? Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I've, I'm only really dealing with one child at that level as opposed to four. So mm. in that sense, it's definitely uh, I have a much easier time of it than, than, than many others at the moment. And I'm also, you know, incredibly lucky to be doing a job that I love and that I'm deeply passionate about uh, at such a a perilous time for so many. And I, I see and acknowledge that privilege um, significantly. Yeah. I mean, that's like with everything and every, every, that's for everyone right now. And, you know, for those who have jobs, it's, it's really a blessing and, and it's, you know, you can't as you said, you know, you can't take anything for granted. It's something that I don't for sure. You know, I mean, yeah. And, uh, it'll just be, I can't wait until we can be sort of back to normal, you know, Mm. eventually, um, whenever that is. And, and, you know, I, I think for mothers, especially, you know, I mean, both parents for sure, you know, are struggling and trying to, to balance, you know, working in in their own homes while trying to, you know, teach their children or at least help them get to, yeah. you know, their lessons and stuff. And and it is it's definitely been, um, not the same for sure. You know, it has yeah, been yeah. a difficult thing. So I, I definitely I can understand that. Um, and also navigating their mental, uh, yes, mental and emotional sure. health, right? For all of us, mm-hmm. you know, I am, I am a pretty confident, a happy person. I'm a very optimistic person. Uh, I have really struggled this year with anxiety, like, mm. like that I have never experienced before in my life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've had anxiety on and off, but nothing that I didn't feel like I could handle this, this year has been next level. And I, yeah. you know, it's, it, it and I think that's not an uncommon story for for so many of us and 
definitely seeing things in my children that I've never seen before and anxieties and sadnesses and depressions and disappointments mm. that I've never seen for them before that we're, we're all learning how to navigate together. And, and, um, we've we we have learned a lot i'll say that much yeah and i guess we we keep learning you know we keep i mean as this keeps going we keep learning new things and kind of uh, and in a way adjusting to a new normal or adjusting or at least acknowledging that it's not the way it used to be you know and that we have to like just see where it leads from here um i mean for me when we were on lockdown and we had moved you know, from New York to Virginia. Right, <laughs> um, right, right. And we got here and then all of a sudden it was the pandemic and I was like, oh my goodness. Okay. And I'm one who never sat still and still doesn't. Mm-hmm. So I would actually take uh, take myself out daily just for car rides, mm-hmm. just to get out of the house. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I, I was like, I can't be still, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that was, I, that was my way of coping. Um, yeah. But I can't even imagine how others who can't get out, you know, who are who who physically can't do it because, you know, they're they're afraid, or they're yeah. just like, okay, where are we gonna go? <laughs> you know, so I I totally I I understand that. Um, it has been well, a I very think more, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm sorry. I think more than ever too. Like, I I remember saying years ago to some women I was at a shot at life summit with, you know, there's no disconnect for me with caring about the child across the street as much as I care about the child across the planet. Mm-hmm. And I think that this pandemic in many ways has, has shaken loose for our entire global society, the chasms of inequality, not just the gaps in inequalities, but the chasms of inequalities that we have in our towns and cities, in our country mm-hmm. and in, and all around the world. Right. And yes. so that to so me true. is sort of the driving the driving force here is do what you can where you are and where you're at right, right. so where, wherever your heart tells you to look if you have capacities of any kind mm-hmm. start local mm-hmm. and then take it wherever it needs to go to, to you know where you're being respectful of other cultures and needs and listening to the people that you want to try and help but but also like looking around right in your immediate area as well yeah. and 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 not bifurcating the mm-hmm. needs of 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 someone here versus someone there there's need everywhere so just pick a place to start yeah i love that you and so you're so right i mean it wasn't until i guess 2 years ago that i got involved with a grassroots organization on long island and it was just it was just something that I needed to be a part of and I and I loved it you know it was something that was like wow I never realized or I never thought to be part of something until it was so necessary or at least okay I have to do something I have to do something just so I know I'm making a difference whether it's in my town or in another place or another in in a different part of the world you know and for me it was Either about um, either just you know being part of um, a grassroots organization that's you know that's concerned with the election or or climate change um, and you know the, the issues the worldwide issues going on like gender equality over there too you know in 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 happening in different countries um, gender inequality I mean and human rights issues so 
my way of just being a part of something was like, okay, let me see what I can do. Let me see how I can um, write up something or, or whatever I've read. I can just say, okay, this is what's happening over here. What do you think? And how can we help? So... Absolutely. And I think that's so critical, Tess, because it's, you know, if you have a heart for service, the most important thing we can do is listen Mm. and ask questions of those that we have a desire to serve, because there's nothing more arrogant than going in and thinking we have the solution. Yeah, People have the solutions. They just maybe need a little bit of a lift at some time. Yeah. Well, so, okay. So when you're not, when you're not doing all the work and traveling, um, or before the pandemic. Um, but when you're not doing work with the UN Foundation, um, what do you, well, actually, let's get back. So as someone who's traveled to different countries, what experiences have you had that have been life-changing? Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, I think the totality of, you know, I've lived in 10 cities and five countries just throughout my life. My father was in the Navy, so we moved around a lot mm. uh, throughout my childhood. So I, I am not, I love having a home. I love feeling like I belong somewhere, but I also feel that I can make, I can belong anywhere. Mm-hmm. So what's the old saying, grow where you're planted. Uh-huh. I, I feel really lucky that because of my childhood, I'm pretty adaptable and I can grow where I'm planted. So I think the unifying experience of, of all the places I've been to in my life, and I feel like such a cliche saying this, Tess, <laughs> but we are all more alike than we are different. We are. We, you know, I've, I have met mothers on a, a dirt floor in a poverty stricken part of faraway countries. And I've met mothers on a, on a rotting molding floor in uh, a particularly difficult area of the projects in Manhattan and sat on their floor. And it's the same conversation. And I've met moms in great privilege sitting in million dollar mansions Mm -hmm. with some of the same issues. And so we are ultimately all more alike than we are different. We want safety and health for our children. We want access to quality education. We want reliable family planning methods. We want to be physically, emotionally, mentally safe Mm. from violence. We want to be able to walk down a street at night and know that we won't be attacked. We want very similar core things. And, uh, and that's really honestly the thing that, that is the big takeaway for me Mm. for all the travel I've done is, is, is those, those elements. Yeah, and and it's, I love that because it's so true. I mean, I've traveled a lot myself. You know, going with my husband um, for his for his for business, um, but in pretty much anywhere I go, it's so true because you just start when you start talking to people, you have commonality, and it's all about okay. You know, if not your kids, then basically, what do you want for? your community what do you want to um to make sure that you're safe you know and and but unfortunately i think um you need to have some sort of i guess you need to have the kind of um push to get people to talk about that sometimes 
you know, because I, I don't think they would tell you right away. I, I think for me, the connection for that is food, you know, and yeah. and, and yeah. just sitting down with someone, sharing a meal is the connection. And then it starts the conversation. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree. I love that. So, I mean, for me, that's always been the case. And my husband makes fun of me when I always take photos of food and whatever. I say, like, yeah, but you know what? And I say, like, this is just my gateway. <laughs> this is my way of saying, look, here's the thing. But guess what? Guess who I spoke to? You know, yeah. and, and it's a great way that. to just like see what other else, um, what, what someone else is feeling and how they're feeling towards, you know, what's going on in their community or what's going on, you know, whether it's the pandemic or their children, you know, it's like, once you talk about kids, that's it, you know, <laughs> it's like, there's so much commonality. So I love that. And, and I really, I appreciate what you said. Um, so when you're not traveling, and <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and you're not working so hard, um, what do you, what do you like to do? Oh gosh, so I have a guilty pleasure. <laughs> okay. I have a guilty pleasure, and that is that I read a lot of young adult fantasy fiction. Oh, cool. Uh, that's like my <laughs> little, uh, my escape. And um, so I kind of share a love of, of that with my teenage daughters, and, and we like recommend stuff to each other oh, all the wow. time. So that's, been, that's my that's my downtime. Um, we, we also, I, you know, I live in a really pretty part of the world. I live in Connecticut and New England, and so I... I go for a lot of walks and try and be out in the world as much as I can. I have, mm. uh, I'm, <laughs> I have a darling little dog that is just like oh, the yes. sunshine of my life. I love her so much. Yeah. Um, so she's she's actually a big part of my rest and relaxation time. Mm. Uh, and, we, and we love movies as a family. And um, obviously, in non pandemic non pandemic times, we like to entertain a lot and meet with friends and mm. and um we're pretty social but um my husband is an art advisor and so we spend normally we spend a lot of time in museums and art galleries and mm. shows and where there's a lot of art in, in our lives but uh that, he's that. the only one that is allowed to go right now so <laughs> yeah that's uh so those are yeah just pretty pretty standard basic stuff but that's awesome and and you know I'm hoping that I can go. We can go back to, you know, once it's normal again to go back to museums. I do miss that. I miss being a part of, you know, like being or being able to see art and being able to see beauty. I mean, there's beauty right. when you go outside as well, of course, you know, in nature. But you know, just seeing like you know what it took for that piece of art to be made and and right. you know what was behind that the th the thought process behind it I missed that part so yeah. I, I I hear you um, yeah. so <laughs> is there anything that you would like to do that you haven't done yet so many things <laughs> there's okay. so many places I haven't been so mm. there's a lot of there's a lot of must travel mm. on my list for the future after I get my COVID vaccine, and <laughs> yep. I'll, I'll be back out there as fast as I can be. Yep. Uh, there's definitely things I still want to do with my family that I that we, we haven't done yet and experiences I want to give them and um, opportunities. Uh, professionally, awesome. I, you know, I, I've, I've run my own shop and I've run my own team and, uh, and now I'm, you know, part of a part of a larger team mm -hmm. and I think, you know, there's definitely ambitions I have around 
my progress either at the foundation or another organization down the track and mm-hmm. to, to run my own comms team a, a lot, you know, sort of a large comms team or uh, even run a, a, a smaller organization. I, I see that in my future as well, probably uh, in the nonprofit space, but I also every now and then I hanker for the private sector again and mm. think that I've got a lot of learning now that I can take back to the private sector. So we'll see. I mean, zero hurry, but there's still a lot of things I want to do. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. So, I mean, is there, what do you think are the most pressing issues that we should be paying attention to? I mean, climate, 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 okay. climate, climate, climate. Um, oh, I mean, okay. you know, yep, I, I, for sure. we're, we're, we're in this situation where the pandemic has rightly shone a spotlight on, uh, on global health issues mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I think we're going to face a number of crises as we emerge from this, all of the medical treatment that hasn't been sought this year and hasn't been provided this year, all the vaccines that haven't been delivered this year because programs have fallen apart because of the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to see a massive, we're going to see some massive impacts in the health of the world. Yeah. We are going to see some massive impacts in, uh, we've already seen gender-based violence impacts. Yes. Of and it's continuing. Being, it still continues. Absolutely. And, you know, my the head of girls and women at the UN Foundation often says there isn't, a, you know, there is nowhere in the world where girls and women are equal, not a single country in the world. Right. Yeah. So there yeah. is so much work to be done around gender equality. Part of that for me, one of the biggest issues I'm really passionate about is access to modern and safe methods of family planning. And that's why I've worked with mm-hmm. so many, you know, family planning organizations in my career, because um, you know, that is a gateway for women to have the, the, the ability to, to choose and have freedom yes, with and, sure. and safe, safely have access to, to safe, to modern contraception. Um, you know, as a person who chose to have four children, I still have heavily relied on safe birth control mm-hmm. because, uh, Fortunately or unfortunately, I am ridiculously fertile. So, you know, that would have been a real problem for me if I hadn't had access to that. So I think, yes. you know, lots of those programs for women to get that access have been shuttered during COVID. Um, so, you know, there are so many issues that we are navigating. But this, but the big bucket of climate, the reason I say that that's sort of still at the top of the list is because the knock-on effects for sustainability mm-hmm. and, and, and the, or the knock-on effects of not choosing the path of sustainability are that all of these issues that I've just raised and many, many more will be exacerbated and made worse by um, ongoing climate change. So women already bear the brunt of of climate events and climate scenarios of disruption and and loss in in major weather situations or disasters. you know, so the health, the health impacts of climate are getting more and more substantive. You know, it's not just about air quality, although that's a huge factor, a huge factor, but it's about um, fires and uh, increased disasters that, that we are navigating. Yeah. It is, it is, the, the, it is the key, it is the capstone of, of the, of the, of the set of crises that, that we face as a, as a planet right now. Mm. and um and as a society and as a people so we've got to do it all at the same time and that's what the you know the beauty of uh one of the sort of big driving forces behind what i work on is the the sustainable development goals Mm -hmm. or global global goals the global goals are a set of 17 goals 
with, which sounds overwhelming, but it, it applies the lens of sustainability mm-hmm. to each of these big areas, right? So it's about food and food security. It's about tackling poverty. It's about tackling gender inequality. It's about tackling land use and about how we take care of our oceans, about clean water and sanitation. It's about getting creating jobs that are sustainable. It's about moving away from carbon subsidies um, and sorry, fossil fuel subsidies and, and looking at how we offset carbon in meaningful ways. All of it's interconnected. So we, 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 we have to do it all. And, and so the sustainable development agenda, mm-hmm. which feels so big and so vast and which we've committed to as a planet, every member of the United States of the United Nations has committed to the sustainable development goal agenda when it was put forward in 2015. Mm-hmm. We've got 10 years left to yeah. reach this agenda, to reach these goals. And we've got to do it in concert with each other. You, you, you know, and, but as I say that, and I sort of overwhelm everyone, I will also pull it back and say to what I said earlier, just pick an area, pick right. a spot where your heart calls you to make change in your own community, in your own family, in your own environment, in your own workplace. Our, the places we work are one of the places where we can make biggest impact. Get engaged in any sort of employment, uh, sorry, employee engagement programs that you might have. Be a voice for your company to be more sustainable. And then, of course, ultimately, we all do this when we go to the polls. Yeah, Every election matters. Every election matters. Every election matters, yeah. right? Your local, <laughs> oh, yeah. your local, state, national. It's not just about presidential elections. It's about your city council elections. It's about every single one of them. And those decision makers who are the gatekeepers to how we approach sustainable living in our communities all the way through to our states and to who's at the top at the federal level. Yeah, and, and it's like, like you said, it's it all starts with what you want to be involved in, and then it just goes from there. You know, it can blossom that way. Just one person can affect so many others, and then they can affect other people, which is, you know, a whole community, and then hopefully worldwide. So thank you for that. Exactly. That's really that's really important um, to, to, uh, to tell so many people who you know who are listening and hopefully um, realizing or at least who already know but you know may not have the ability or the chance yet to make a difference in their communities but hopefully you know we'll, we'll do so um, so how can anyone get involved with a UN foundation or can anyone get involved with a UN foundation so join us online. That's the easiest way to, to, to find us is mm-hmm. um, uh, unfoundation.org on your favorite internet browser. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find our social media. We're at UN Foundation on Twitter and at UN Foundation on Instagram, at United Nations Foundation on Facebook. Come join us there to start off. Look around our website. There's a number of ways that you can connect and get engaged, whether it's with one of our specific campaigns and initiatives mm-hmm. or whether it's the sort of larger issues of of what the UN foundation represents but we you know whether you're passionate about the UN system and you want to get more involved in how the UN operates uh you can join the UN Association of the United States if you're interested in girls education you can join us with the girl up campaign if you're interested in the global health issues particularly around vaccines join us in the shot at life campaign or ending malaria through our nothing but nets campaign uh, and just come and learn about the scope of what we do on climate, on gender equality, uh, on so many other issues. We would love to have you be a part of our community. 
Wow, thank you for that. And um, you mentioned Girl Up campaign. I love Girl Up campaign. They're they're really awesome. Um, is there any um, anything you'd like to say to young listeners who may want to get involved? Same thing. I mean, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So again, our UN association, um, UN uh, UN Association of the United States, uh, we have a lot of campus chapters. So a big component of our membership are young people at college campuses around the country who really care about global issues and want to be more involved in uh, in that process. We have some great summits each year mm-hmm. through that and also through Girl Up and so on. So uh, again, um, come on to unfoundation.org and look up the different ways. But yes, for girls' education, Girl Up campaign is incredible. Girls' in, um, learning skills, life skills, and so on. There's really, it's, it's an organization for girls run largely by girls and we are all over the world with Girl Up Clubs and it's extraordinary. So you can also learn more about them at girlup.org. Right. So one last question before I let you go. So if you could go back in time, what would you tell your younger self? <laughs> hmm. Uh, hmm. So many things. Firstly, to be unafraid about moving in different directions. So I think I alluded to this earlier when I said that my career is really nonlinear, right? Mm-hmm. That sometimes it's sideways, sometimes it's up, sometimes it's even down. But just trust your instincts about what you're seeing, what you're feeling, what you're noticing, and don't be afraid to try something new and see where that might land you. I think the other thing that I would say is, um, and I, again, I alluded to this earlier, also get data don't just make uninformed decisions like research a problem make sure you've got metrics to to draw on you know i i I think that the most powerful we are is when we do a mix of both Mm -hmm. when we have points of information of of results of experiences that we can write down that we can analyze and then you sort of layer your instincts over the top of it um and i i think that you know there were some times in my life where I didn't really understand that nexus between those those two perspectives. Mm. I leaned in all one way or I leaned <laughs> in all the other. And the most successes I've had are when I do both collectively. Wow. Um, yeah. And then, you know, travel as much as you can afford. Mm. That That is a, a mantra that I will maintain, I think, till the day I can't get on a plane anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, obviously seek to do it as sustainably as you can. But, but this world is, is so extraordinary and um and we learn so much when we experience it um through each other's eyes that's really awesome thank you thank you so much for spending time with me and i really really i had a great time thank you for all of your all of your stories and and all about your your works and and you know we i think we covered a lot which is awesome and i really appreciate you know you coming on and and letting us know about the UN Foundation and about yourself and your family. So I really, uh, I, I hope that I get to have you again on the show one day and we can, can we can continue. So, all right. Tess, thanks for having me. I loved it. I had so much fun. Oh, so thank it was you. A, a, thank a, you. a real, real privilege to chat with you today. Thank you. That's our show for today. I've posted more information about Chrisula Winnegar on RevWoman.com. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll tune in every Thursday for another episode of Revolutionary Women. 
You can listen to Revolutionary Women on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Just a little note, I've launched a Patreon account to support the show. All proceeds will go to producing and editing the episodes to give my poor husband a break for being my personal IT and production department. He wrote this. The address is patreon.com slash revwoman.